Welcome to Hire the Smile, the podcast on all things related to human resources in veterinary medicine. Join me, Katie Ardeline, and my colleague, Mike Pownell, as we discuss how to support and take care of the people who are instrumental in making your business a success. Great businesses share one common feature. They focus on taking care of their employees. They create businesses where everyone feels empowered and motivated to be the best they can be. These businesses want highly engaged employees and they do whatever it takes to make this happen because they know that highly engaged employees lead to more growth, client loyalty, and profitability. Veterinary medicine is a challenging profession, but it can be made so much easier if we build business cultures that attract and retain the best people. Subscribe to Hire the Smile for great discussions on taking care of the people that make us all better. Hi, I'm Mike Connell, and welcome to Hire the Smile, discussing all things related to human resources and the veterinary profession. And once again, I am joined by my great friend and colleague, Katie Arline. Hey, Katie. Hey, Michael. What's new and exciting in your world? Oh, really not a lot, you know, just uh, getting through winter here. Yeah, we have some new vets have joined our practice, outstanding veterinarians who came from Mexico. We're saying, oh, honestly, where we are in Canada, it gets really cold for about a week in February. <laughs> we don't get a lot of snow anymore. And we have had like an old timey winter. It has been mm-hmm. freaking cold and snow. They seem to have embraced it. I'm a bad Canadian because I was just like, can we just swap? I'm like, I'm, I'm not loving this winter. Mm, yeah, it's been a classic, as you said, old timey winter. Yeah. It's better than the slush and the freezing and the thawing and the ice everywhere. That's the good part. This is true. That'll come though. Yeah, I know. Anyway. So today we're doing the second part of our series on foundational principles of human resources. Mm-hmm. We're starting off with mission and vision, mission, what we are as a company, vision, where we want to go. This is the second of our mission and vision episodes. The first one, we started introducing mission, and we talked a lot about core values, mm-hmm. the essential need for core values in a practice. The flip side of the mission of what we are is our core purpose. Mm-hmm. And I think core purpose is probably one of the most underappreciated yet important aspects of framing your human resource program, but also your strategy. Everything about a business, I feel, comes back to your core purpose. And I know Simon Sinek had the book, Start With Why, Mm -hmm. which talks a lot about purpose. It's a great book, and I recommend you either buying it or just look him up on YouTube because he does his TED Talk there, and it's brilliant. I work with a lot of companies on strategies, a lot of young companies who are just getting a lot of growth and they're sort of like, oh my gosh, where do I go from here? And we start with everything that we work with is let's make sure we're on the same page in terms of your values, your purpose, and then we can figure out where you want to go. So I don't know what you see, because I mean, you're, I'm working a lot more strategy. You're doing a lot more HR, but what are your impressions of purpose? The big impression for me is the difference that you can see between practices that have a purpose or don't have a purpose. When practices have a purpose, there's just more of a, an understanding of how people's roles fit into the whole and what everybody's there for. And it's something that clients pick up on as well. The thing about the purpose I find and then helping other practices find their purpose 
it can be really challenging to nail down exactly what it is. And I know you do more of the purpose work than I do. What is challenging about purpose? I mean, it sounds simple enough, you know, if you think about Simon Sinek and, you know, start with the why, why, why is it so hard to nail down that purpose? Purpose is an emotional component of things. So let's, let's make sure we define what purpose is. So right. yep. it's why we're doing something. And so uh, what we get fixated on in, in the vet profession is what we do. And what we do is veterinary medicine. And then it's like, well, how do we do it? And so, well, either you have a practice that is a small animal vet or food animal vet, or you're a small animal specialist, or you're a spay neuter clinic, or you're a emergency hospital. That's how you deliver it. But then it's like, well, why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. Let me just back up a second. The why we do things is what makes a distinction between. So if you have five practices and they're all delivering veterinary medicine, and let's say they're all just general practices, from an audience point of view or from a client's point of view, they'll be like, well, there are five practices and they're going to ask themselves, why should I pick one more than the other? Mm-hmm. I can use some examples of, you know, like attracts like. So if you have a certain aspect of what you are as a practice, you're going to attract those people. And that's why digging down to the why is so important because the why, we get confused with that and we think of it as like, well, why am I vet? Well, I like animals. I like science. Mm -hmm. That's what you're doing. And it's a hard one because we don't, necessarily think about or we haven't thought about it for a real long time or you know you just say well i've always wanted to be a vet since as long as i remember so (laughs) and there's no sense of the why but what i argue about is when you really peel away the layers and it is an emotional aspect of it and as scientists and we're we're very black and white as vets that's not an area where we go down a lot Mm mm-hmm so I'll give you an example with our own practice of our why. And so my wife and I started the practice together. And both of us, when we started thinking about why are we vets, I sort of had this flashback of when I had animals and dogs or cats or horses, often I would have a vet and the experience wasn't great. There'd be a problem. I always felt like they weren't as forthcoming with me with a diagnosis or an answer. I didn't feel listened to. I was unsettled, you know, so this is an animal that I love. This is a companion and I'm paying money for expertise. I want assurances. I want comfort that what we're doing is right. And I often didn't have it. And it's a horrible feeling. I don't have children's, but I imagine it'd be probably even accentuated even more when your child is sick and you're trying to get answers and you don't know. And so my own little childless world of having cats primarily, I would just feel so frustrated after an appointment because I just didn't feel like I knew what was going on. And so really what it came down to is we figured out, you know what we want, and this has become our purpose at McKee Panel Equine Services, we want to give clients peace of mind by helping them make the best decisions for their animal's health care. So whether it's vaccines or dentistry or euthanasia or any kind of procedure, we want our clients to think that, you know what, based on what we know, this is the right choice. And I'm comfortable with that. And as soon as we realized that, everything started to crystallize. And why this is so important is it's because 
when we have a client complaint or when we have an unhappy client or a client leaves us, when we investigate further, it is because we haven't delivered peace of mind. Mm -hmm. It's also helped us in who we hire because we want people that will spend time, develop a relationship, who are sincerely interested in educating the clients. And that's not everybody's like that. Mm-hmm. And it, it keeps us on track. Yeah. Do you find, I mean, you have the purpose and I think it's obvious to the staff what the purpose is because it's something that you share quite often. Do you see it coming up in feedback from clients that they, they understand what the purpose is? Absolutely. So we do net promoter scores, which is a whole other discussion, but basically it's asking the one question that you need to know if people really value your practice. It's a quantifiable way of knowing if people are engaged with your practice. And so it basically asks, on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the highest, how would you recommend this practice to a friend or colleague? And really, when you're recommending something to a friend or colleague, family member, that's the ultimate uh, compliment or recommendation. Yep. Because you're not going to go to a friend and recommend you know, a really crappy place to go to. And so what they do with an net promoter score is they look at nine and tens as the highest level of loyalty or like, and you deduct that percentage by the uh, detractors, which are six and below, mm-hmm. and you get a score. It's, it's a very common metric used in all businesses. Apple has one of the highest scores. I think there are 47. You can have a negative. I mean, you can have some people that love you, but a majority don't like you, and you can have a negative score. But we send those out, and in the comments we get, I would say the most consistent feedback we get is variations of, I love your practice. I have peace of mind. Your veterinarians, your office staff, your technicians are so engaging. They gave me peace of mind. And that's when we know we're on board. Mm-hmm. When I have a, a, a client complaint and I'm the one that has to talk to them, usually they're confused. Usually they're uh, misunderstand. Usually they're surprised maybe by the bill. It's higher than they were quoted. And this is where we can tell that we have failed giving them peace of mind. Mm-hmm. So this to me is that, okay, this is our path. This is what we're really trying to aspire to after every appointment. And this is, I think the key word of purpose is you'll never reach it. You'll never hit that perfection. It's an aspiration. It's inspiring. You're always working towards it. And once you have that purpose figured out, then it's actually much easier to get your vision because your vision should incorporate a little bit of your purpose. Mm-hmm. Just before you know, we move into vision. Oh, I'm not done with purpose yet. Oh, I, I can talk all day done. about that. Yeah. You mentioned how the staff that you have, you want to make sure that they are prepared or they're willing to fulfill the purpose of the company or carry out the purpose of the company. So what do you do to look for that when you're interviewing a new employee or when somebody's first started? Well, as I said, you know, one of the components of that purpose is we want people that are very empathetic, Mm -hmm. that realize that this is a people business. We all know the big secret of veterinary medicine is filled with introverts that go into this because we love animals and we think we're not going to deal with people. And then we're brutally surprised when we realize that the animals are an excuse for us to interact with people. And we're like, oh, okay. But what we look for are people, people, people who love engaging with people, who love informing people, who get excited by that. Mm-hmm. And this goes back to what I said earlier about like attracts like. What we find out are the clients that we want are the ones that want to be educated, that want to be engaged, that want to be part of the animal's decision. And they're, they're curious as opposed to, 
uh, yeah, do let's whatever's cheapest or whatever's easiest or whatever. I don't really care. That's mm-hmm. not a client for us. Both the values and the purpose mismatch between, you know, you might have a client who's upset at the bill or they're upset at the level of customer service they did or didn't get. And maybe you give them too much customer service and they don't like it. I think that that is a respectful reason to part ways with that client. Yep. If you're not going to be able to to meet them at their terms or at their expectations, then off you go. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. And I learned this before I was a vet when I was a farrier that there were clients that I liked and they liked me in turn. At the time, I just couldn't put a finger on what it was. Mm-hmm. And then I realized going through this process that there are people that bought into my purpose. I didn't really have it verbalized or formalized at the time, but I, I acted that way. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the critical thing is when you have your purpose, then you are enhancing it, you're demonstrating it, which what makes your practice different from all your competitors. Really, the reality, if we're all have the ability to do exams and give vaccines and do dentistries, take x-rays, do surgeries, yes, some of us are more technically proficient than others for sure, but in the eye of the client, they don't know the difference. Mm -hmm. And so what makes a business, any business, veterinary medicine to any other company, to Apple, to Amazon, whatever, are the people within it. Mm -hmm. And if you're hiring based on your values and your purpose, you're going to be different from your other practices Mm -hmm. and you're going to be distinctive. And if you can institutionalize that and promote it, all of a sudden, that's why you have clients that come to you. Mm -hmm. And that's why you have staff that come to you. And that's why you're able to keep staff because you live up to your values and you have an inspiring purpose that translates into an inspiring vision and everybody's on board. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit more about the idea of purpose driving strategy? So how are those things related? Yeah. So let's say our purpose is peace of mind. So again, much more employee engagement, Mm -hmm. much more, uh, client interaction, much more personalized service, as opposed to that person who's like, I just want to do surgeries, lock me in the back room, I'll do surgeries all day. I don't really want to engage in people. Those are two different practices. Mm -hmm. And neither one of them is better than the other. They're just different. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if you're the person whose purpose is, I just like fixing things, I get a real kick out of fixing things. And I don't want to have any people involved. Well, that's a different practice altogether than the I want the people involved to be content. Mm-hmm. To have two different, experience. two yeah. different experiences. It's it's like Walmart's compared to uh, a high end, uh, like a Nordstrom's or a high end clothing store that store that's much more personalized. Yeah, and you know, I'm thinking about this from my experience working in the clinic. This extends to you know clients who you might think of certain clients as kind of like a gold, you know, the grail client that you want to get. And I think in Canada, at least for equine practice, a lot of the time, that's the big show people, the big professionals, the Olympic type folks, and thinking about what their demands are like. And they're wonderful people. They want the best for their horses, but the demands that they have might have for their veterinarians are not in line with McKee Pownell's purpose and way of taking care of people. So yeah, okay, well, There are definitely veterinarians out there who will answer a text at midnight and, you know, will come out, you know, first thing the next morning and and take care of the horses and and be sort of at beck and call. And that's totally fine. But thinking about 
what you and uh, Dr. McKee wanted to create, that's definitely not in line with, you know, having work-life balance and all that. And um, ultimately, uh, you can't service the majority or the other clients well yep. if you're not living up to your purpose in that area. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So no, that's why I say the purpose of getting it. And, and if I can give a hint on if anybody wants to find out what their purpose is. And I know when I do this session and I tell everybody at the very beginning, and usually it's a group. It's either partners, key people in the staff or more employees. I'm like, for the next few hours, you're going to hate me mm-hmm. because I'm going to push you and I'll push you because you're going to say stuff like I like animals or I like solving puzzles. And I'm like, that's what you do. It doesn't get back to why you do it. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden we're going to hit it and then the room will fill with light and you're all going to go, yes. And it's like, it's high fives and everybody's like, it was worth it. Mm-hmm. So I'm always trying to figure out the best way of helping people get to it. And one of the ways I have two questions I ask people. One is, what were you feeling when you decided you wanted to go to vet school? Mm-hmm. So this means going back to when you're eight or 18 or 28, in my case, like really, because it is an emotional thing. What was the situation? What were you feeling? Mm-hmm. If some of us can't remember what it was like when we were eight, I get that. And so the other question that I ask is, okay, when you have an appointment that has gone exceptionally well, mm-hmm. like you walk out of it and you're like, yeah, that was, that's what it should be like every single appointment. Why? What was going on? What were you feeling? Why was that appointment so satisfying? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you get the, well, yeah, the client just got it and we were engaged and the, the client was grateful. And those are the clues that help us get beyond the, I like animals. I like science. I love it. I mean, that's, that's a coaching relationship, really. It's, you're not providing I me. Mean, you don't know what, what their answers are going to be, but you can guide them into pulling that out of themselves and like, okay, well, why and what, who was there and what was happening and how did you feel and how did the client react? I love that. That's really sort of helps them go down the garden path rather than just sort of saying, no, that's not it. That's not it. Yeah. Love, yeah. And it's interesting because you have some people, like I know a lot of people that from the time they could probably walk, they wanted to be a vet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you ask them that question, why do you, why are you a vet? And it's like, it's just like they, they stop and they're like, well, it's something I've always wanted to do. I'm like, why? And they're like, and I don't think they've ever <laughs> thought about it. It's yeah. just like, it's something they're supposed to do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, you know, the pressure of everything that leads into becoming a veterinarian, I think it's easy for, the reason to get lost. But I can also appreciate that if you wanted to do or not wanted to do something your entire life, it could be hard to put words to why. And it could be a, a memory that you've just forgotten or, or whatever, but still digging. It's, something can definitely be uncovered. You know, it's amazing because I have seen some crusty, <laughs> thick-skinned veterinarians when we really dig down. You can almost see them getting to some sort of childhood innocence. Mm-hmm. And it's almost liberating for them because if they're in a practice that needs some help, they're like, oh my gosh, I've really strayed mm-hmm. from what I thought I was going to be. But they haven't really thought about why they did it in the first place. So they didn't know why they strayed. But it all of a sudden, it's like, oh, now I can do a course correction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I've seen the after effects of that. Professionally, they're more content. They're enjoying what they do more. And so forget strategy or business success. For them as a, a person, they're happy once they figured it out and they can live towards that. This discussion is so in line, inexorably linked to your own purpose personally and your own values personally. 
So I really like that idea of it being that exercise and having people go back and, and having it serve them in some way beyond just being something to fuel their strategy. I like that a lot. And so then uh, the next thing we get to is the vision, which is, mm. well, okay, so I got what we are. Where do we want to go? Mm-hmm. Going back again, I think we said in the first episode, this is the Jim Collins framework, the the gentleman who's just been, you know, that has written the seminal business book, Good to Great, of what makes great companies, you know, lasting and enduring. And they have their mission of what they are, mm-hmm. and they have the vision. He calls the vision the big, hairy, audacious goal mm-hmm. of something that is, all right, it's big. There's a good chance we're not going to achieve it. It's a stretch mm-hmm. goal. Mm-hmm. It's going to take us several years to get there, let's say 10 years, 15 years. Mm-hmm. But it's inspiring that when you tell your employees, this is what you hope to achieve, they're like, I'm on board with this. Mm-hmm. So let's look at two goals. We did a strategy session yesterday, so this is very fresh in mind. So when you say to somebody as a vet practice, all right, what's your vision? And they say, well... I want to be the veterinary practice of choice in our area. That's nice. Mm-hmm. But is it really audacious? Is it bold? No. Yeah. Another example is like, I want to make as much money as possible. And that could be your personal vision. Nobody mm-hmm. in your employee is going to get inspired by that. Yeah. <laughs> now, you're a Wall Street firm. That's a great vision. And you're going to hire the people that have that same vision. But nobody in a veterinary practice is going to get inspired by that. No. So it's got to be the bigger thing that ties into your purpose that it's going to be hard to reach. But when you tell it to your staff, they're like, yeah, I want to try that. Let's, let's work towards it. And there should be a point where you can measure it, where it's like, I've achieved it. And at some point, you may have to extend out your vision. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like it needs to be pretty specific. As specific as you can. Some people will say, well, like, I want to be the Patagonia or the Apple of veterinary practices. Yeah. That's an idea. It's hard to measure it. Like, how do you know you've achieved it? Yeah, you'd almost want to pull out the why again of what is it about those businesses that you want to emulate or, you know, where do you see the connection? And again, it's hard with a vet practice. And I get for a lot of people, it's like, I just want to be a veterinarian. Mm -hmm. All right. So maybe your vision is I want to have a practice where employees and staff are with us for the lifetime of their pets. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't have great ambitious goals to be the biggest vet practice in my town or city, but I want to have that great group of clients that from the time their cat was, they gotten the first kitten to when they come to us, when the, the cat has to be euthanized, that's a long time mm-hmm. that my staff, our staff has been with us from the very beginning and has grown and developed. And we have that kind of family feel. That's a great vision. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Even that in itself is audacious because to retain clients that long, to retain staff that long, that's not easy, as we all know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it absolutely. doesn't have to be like global domination. It, <laughs> it's just like, this is what I want. I want to work with the same people that I really enjoy working with for decades. Mm-hmm. Along the same lines as my question about purpose guiding strategy, how does vision guide strategy? And is it sort of a different guide than purpose gives you? Yeah, absolutely. So again, all these three things we're talking about, values, purpose, vision, are what we go back to when we're making decisions. So mm-hmm. if we're doing a purpose, uh, it gives me a vision of 
let's use the example we have that we want to have clients for the lifetime. Mm-hmm. That is going to change how you deal with clients. It's mm-hmm. not transactional, it's relationships. Yeah. So you're going to invest more in those relationships. And so when you're making a decision of like, should I hire this person? You're going to make sure are these people that are want to be emotionally connected to the clients? Mm-hmm. Not everybody does. That's mm-hmm. fine. So mm-hmm. you don't hire for your practice. It gives you purpose of when you attract clients for your practice. We've all had clients that just don't fit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're coming in and we see them in the appointment book. And we're like, oh, I don't want to see them because they're just, they suck the energy out of us. And usually there's a disconnect in our values, purpose, or vision. Mm-hmm. And so those are like, you know what? This client doesn't really fit in. They use us half a year and then we don't see them for two years and then they're mm-hmm. back and forth. You know what? We've tried. They don't fit our model, what we're trying to do. Let's get rid of them. They exhaust us. They take up time and let's select the clients that fit into where we want to go as a company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think right now in the vet industry, we have the luxury of really being able to pick and choose. It's not necessarily the nicest thought in the world, but it's horses for courses. Like it's, you want to have the people who are going to help your business carry out its vision and be successful, not people who are going to drag you down or confuse your staff about what it is you're doing. Yep, absolutely. It crushes my heart when I look at a lot of online veterinary managers, Mm, practice owners, and I just see how frustrated they are with their staff, with their clients. I just want to go there and just say, the solution is straightforward. Getting there is a bit of a challenge, but <laughs> you know what? I think you got to go back to foundations, get your values, get your purpose, get your vision, and you may end up having to change half your staff. Mm-hmm. You may have to redefine who you are as a business and have a different type of clientele, but it's worth it. Mm-hmm. And it, all of a sudden, you're not the clients or your staff are not running you. You're all in this together in parallel and harmony. And that's so much more fun than always in conflict with somebody or something every day. Yeah. High school is not fun. We don't need to go back there. That's for sure. What we all want, I think as human beings, we want control. Mm -hmm. We want control over our destiny. And this is a way for us as practice owners to have control of our, our businesses but also aligning ourselves with people who share that. And so they have some control over their own life. Mm-hmm. It's much easier. Mm-hmm. A lot of the crap we go through doesn't happen. So how do you switch when you're helping a practice figure out their purpose and then you're switching to vision? How does the, the challenge that you give them for coming up with that BHAG or big, hairy, audacious goal, how does that change? Is it sort of like just chuck every idea at the wall and see what sticks or what's the process for that? Sister uh, Collins has a great exercise that I've appropriated. Hmm. And basically what it is, I mean, we've got to modify it for the times now, but it's write an article that you would like to see written about your practice in 10 years time. Hmm. So they said, well, be a magazine or a newspaper article. And I'm like, what are those? <laughs> so any kind of online or anything, but it's all right. If I'm going to sit there and put on my imaginoscope, What do I want somebody to say about my practice in 10 years? Then it's a creative exercise. No answers are wrong. Mm -hmm. Other than you got to push yourself. Yeah. That must be interesting. Working with veterinarians who I, you know, not to generalize, but are like you said it earlier, very like science and like coloring in the lines kind of motivated 
to challenge them to think outside it can be, I'm sure it's interesting. But it's like when they discover their purpose, it's liberating. Mm-hmm. I have learned as my own practice, we have big, really audacious, hairy goals. Not everybody wants that. and We're all different. And so that's why I'm saying, okay, you know, it doesn't have to be you're the number one practice in town. It doesn't mean you need to grow every year and add more vets. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it could be as humble as I want to stay as a two vet practice and this is where I want to be in 10 years. Mm-hmm. All of that is still really hard. And so it is audacious. There's a 50 to 70% chance that you're going to achieve it. It allows you to sort of frame it of like, wouldn't this be a great place to work? Yeah. And then you can look at it. So where are we now? All right. What, is that, what has to change to get there? I think between purpose and vision that we've been talking about today, it really uh, fills out that idea of, you know, making it really obvious to your staff who you are, why you're doing what you're, you're doing and where you're going and how you're going to do it and getting people on the bus and, you know, the parallels with the clients as well. And it's just over the pa- these past two episodes, as we talk about it, and I think more and more like, how do people not do this? <laughs> not do this? And, you know, we work with a lot of practices where this hasn't happened. And uh, like we said last time, the time to do it is right at the beginning. Yep. But, you know, how do you walk into a practice that they've grown almost in spite of themselves for the last 20 years, and now they know that they need to change something. And it's like, okay, well, now we need to figure out our purpose and our, our all of these components. Do you think it's easier or harder? How does that go? That's I mean, you so think much they kind harder. Of, they know what they want because they've been doing it, but maybe they haven't been doing what they want to do. I don't think they do. I think... It's life. We get on a treadmill, we get on a path, and often uh, it's survival. Yeah. You know, you've got debts, you're, you've started a new business, you've got student loan debts, you've got business debts. You, I mean, running a business is a very insecure life. Mm-hmm. And it seems to be working. Okay, every year we're growing, we're profitable, I'm paying my debts off. All right, this is great. But then there's also like, um, this kind of also sucks. I'm not enjoying mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. But when have we ever stopped? You know, when did we ever get this experience in vet school? Because mm-hmm. mostly we'll go to take business courses. It's, it's financial orientated. And those are great. Mm-hmm. But, you know, these are the things that we need to explore as well, too. The finances yeah. will take care of themselves, mm-hmm. ultimately. <laughs> and I can see every bookkeeper and, and I know are psyched. sitting there going, wait, no wait comment. a minute. No, <laughs> no, no. But, I was thinking about this because I'm putting together strategy sessions for my own practice. We have three locations. So we're doing three different strategies for each one. And, you know, one of the things we all say when we're hiring somebody is you spend a good proportion of your waking hours at work and you need to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So let's work with people we want to work with because you want to come to work looking forward to meeting and being with the people as opposed to, unfortunately, in a lot of places, resenting it trying to avoid tension, trying to avoid interactions that may become explosive. Mm-hmm. Then I was thinking about that. So that's on the employee level and let's create that environment for our employees. But then I thought as a practice owner, so often the advice we get as practice owners, like how do we get more profitable? How do we get more profitable? How do we save some percentage on what we buy and what have you and how we're paying people? And I'm like, so what's the balance between as a practice owner, I too am spending a good proportion of my waking hours at work. Mm -hmm. I want to enjoy who I work with. I want to look forward to coming to work. And so maybe I'm a little less profitable than the benchmarks 
mm-hmm. but I'm paying my staff well and they stay with me. Mm-hmm. Or I'm able to invest in the medicine or the technology that our vets are professionally satisfied. Or I'm in the position where I can say no to some clients and you know give up some revenue. Mm-hmm. But you know what? We still make good money. We're still profitable. And it's a great work environment. Mm-hmm. Where's the balance? And it's personal to everybody. But the drive, and I just see people like, I got to make more money. I see these benchmarks and I'm like, but are you enjoying where you're working? Yeah. Are you you're the owner. Happy? You should yeah. enjoy where you're working. Yeah, exactly. Are you constantly hiring people, you know, going through people, you know, what, what's really important? Yeah. Okay. Is there anything else you want to say about mission, vision? I could go on all day years. <laughs> uh, just because I think it's so foundational. It is the key. I find when I'm making decisions, I go back to one of the three of them all the time and going, is this in line with our mission? Will this support our purpose? Will this support our vision? And if it doesn't, I either say, is any of these changing? No, my values are not going to change. The purpose of why I'm doing things is not going to change. Maybe the vision of our company, uh, that can alter because there's other factors involved with that. We might have achieved our vision. But really, by going back and saying, is this decision in line with all of these? It's hard to go wrong. Seems so simple. I mean, the work going into figuring it all out, obviously, it can be really difficult. But then once you have all this stuff in place, it's the way forward just seems so much easier. Yep. Absolutely. We'll see you in two weeks. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Hire the Smile, brought to you by Oculus Insights. Our goal at Oculus is to support veterinary businesses around the world by helping you clear your path to success. This episode was produced and edited by Heather McPherson. Special thanks to Alyssa Rubenstein for doing the amazing marketing that she does for Oculus. You can see what we are up to by checking us out on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, and our website, oculusinsights.net. If you think you could use a business advisor or performance coach, go to advicebyoculus.com. See you next time.